Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Simple Church. My name's Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here. So glad that you are with us today. No matter how you're tuning in, either through our campus, through Facebook, or listening through the podcast, you are part of our family. And we're so glad that you're here with us on week number two of our series on depression called Out of the Cave. Now, before we get into this heavy topic, I wanna just give you a little bit of hope on the front end. You need to know that God cares about your mental health and that he has freedom in mind for you and that there is a path towards that freedom. In fact, Jesus came so that we could experience freedom and he also offers us a full and fulfilled life, which means that you can come walking out of the cave that is your depression, your anxiety, and your worry. You can live a life where you know God, where you find freedom, where you discover purpose and where you live a life that is making a difference. In 2019, I personally walked through a season of depression like I had never experienced before. And last week I talked all about that. But as as I came out of that season of depression, a friend of mine challenged me to make sure that I shared my story. I had been keeping it kind of private for a while and really just processing it uh, with my friends and my family that were close to me. But he said, Aaron, I really believe that you've got a story to share and God has brought you through this and there's a huge opportunity for you to make an impact. And so I did. I shared that story in what we call Church on the Go. It's the Sunday between Christmas and the very first Sunday of the new year and um, a lot of people are traveling and and if I'm being honest with you, not a lot of people saw it and I, I kind of figured that might be the case and if I'm being honest again, I thought it was safe to share it there and, and because I knew that, that, that not everybody was gonna see it, I was kind of scared about how people would perceive me, how people would look at me if they knew that I had struggled with depression. And even in that video, I was just on the other side of it, I had just come through and had begun to see the light and was experiencing some health in my life. And and I did my best to communicate what I had done to come through the other side and and even to attach it to scripture. But I'm gonna tell you, I've continued to study, I've continued to learn, I've continued to grow and walk out this mental health journey. And I have way more to share uh, today than I did at the end of 2019. And so uh, I'll tell you this though, What it did for me walking through that in 2019 was that when 2020 happened, when the pandemic happened, when more people were depressed on some level than ever before and and depression became the number one health issue, not just in the USA, but in the world, man, this became one of the topics that I've been given opportunities to speak about than any other thing in my life. And so I'm, I'm very excited to share this, uh, this, this content with you today and talk to you about it. And, and again, I want to say the same thing I said last week, kind of at the beginning is I'm not a doctor, I'm a pastor, but more importantly, I'm a human. And I've walked in this, I've walked through it, and I'm continuing to walk this out. Uh, And so you need to know that I think that medication and counseling are viable means of dealing with depression, Uh, that I agree there are biological causes to it, but I also believe that there are things in our lives that we can do to take control of it. And we see... Uh, we see that played out in scripture. And so uh, if you missed last week, we talked about how we got into the cave and uh, I would love for you to do that. Uh, Go back and watch that message if you missed it, because this is part two. We're actually talk about 
uh, not just how we got into the cave this week, that was last week. We're going to talk about how we come out of the cave. Uh, and this particular series that we're doing is based on a content uh, from the book of the same name uh, called Out of the Cave. It's by Pastor Chris Hodges. Uh, I really love his teaching style and I love uh, the light that he has shed on this, not just from a secular world uh, worldview, but, but from a biblical worldview. There's so much hope. And I would encourage you that if you have walked through depression or you know somebody that is walking through depression, this series will be a huge help for them and you can share it with them. But this book really dive deep into some, some very, very practical things that I won't have time to share in these two weeks of, of messages. So, 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 so make an investment in yourself or in someone else's mental health. Dive in uh, and, and get this book again, Out of the Cave. The subtitle is Stepping into the Light When Depression Darkens What You See. And, uh, and so this series in particular, what we're going to do is we're going to look into scripture and it's, it's focusing on one major character. There were, there were multiple that we see in scripture that, that actually experienced and walked through depression. But, but, but where we want to focus and what we've been looking at last week and this week is, is the prophet Elijah uh, and his story. Just a quick background. Elijah, uh, his story is found in 1 Kings 18, and, and, and he's coming off of two very great victories. The, the biggest one is, is where he does a showdown with the prophets of Baal, and, 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 and to, to, they're, they're like, hey, you know, whichever God, meaning Elijah, your God, or our God, consumes our sacrifices on these altar with fire is the real one and true God. And so the prophets of Baal called on Baal, which was a false God, uh, to, to, to consume their sacrifice with fire. And he didn't answer because he's not real. And, and then Elijah says, God, consume this sacrifice and fire falls from heaven and it happens. And, and, and as a result, uh, it was declared that, that Jehovah was the real God. And so all the prophets of Baal, all 850 of them were killed. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and so Elijah's on this huge victory and uh, evil King Ahab, who was ruling at that time, went to his wife Jezebel and told her uh, what happened. And Jezebel sent the equivalent of a nasty text message to Elijah and threatened his life. And what we see in scripture is that three verses later, after this huge victory, Elijah runs off, leave, abandons his friends, winds up in the desert and is praying for God to end his life. He ended up in a cave. Now, the cave is a perfect metaphor for the way depression feels because it's dark, it's disorienting, you don't know how to move forward, you don't know how to move back, you know there's a way out, you're just not really sure where it is, and everywhere you could go feels like it's a misstep or a wrong step, and, and, and you just can't quite figure it out. You're afraid to move or to put your hands out and touch things because, man, you know there's some creepy crawlies in that cave too, right? And that's, that's just kind of how it is. In depression, you just feel stuck. And in 2020, when the pandemic started, I think everyone experienced depression at one level or another. And so last week, as we began this series, we talked about how we got into the cave of depression, which psychology and psychiatrists confirms that there are contributing lifestyles, factors that led Elijah into this cave of depression. We talked about six very specific ones. They were life imbalances. Man, his life was just all over the place. There was no balance to it. The comparison trap, he was comparing himself to other people and therefore was depressed. 
He had difficulty processing the pain in his life. And I think we struggle with that sometimes too, having a right understanding that pain is inevitable and the right ways to deal with it. He also struggled with rumination and self-talk. Man, self-talk is the devil's playground. That's where he gets in our head and just convinces us of things that are just not true. Elijah also walked through loneliness and isolation because here's the deal. Life is not lonely. The way he was choosing to live it was, and that's us for a lot of us. We choose isolation and loneliness through our behaviors. And the last thing that, that psychologists don't really talk about, but as your pastor, I'm going to tell you about is spiritual warfare, that there's an enemy who hates you and is out to destroy your life and that we have a choice to take up the armor of God and defend ourselves against everything that he's working against us. Now, those are the six factors. They're lifestyle factors, which by the way, that means that if we consider our ways, if we consider the way that we are living our lives, that, then we can keep from ending up in the cave. Today, for those of us that are already there or are in that cave, we're gonna have to take some steps to get out of that cave. And we're going to pick up Elijah's story right where we left off. We're going to be back in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5. And this is what it says. It says, so he's underneath that broom bush and he's praying and asking God to take him out, right? He's depressed and he's sad. He's depleted. And he says, then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Now, I like that. Normally, when you see an angel showing up on the scene, you would think that the angel's there to rebuke people, to tell them you're a thinner and you need to repent, or that there's some big mission that God needs you to go on, like, like the angel that appeared to Mary, like you're going to have the son of God and he, you're going to be born, he's going to be born uh, and you're going to be a virgin and God, the spirit of God's going to come on you and you're going to get pregnant and, 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 and so many other people like Gideon who was sent on a mission to deliver the Israelites from the Midianites and, and the stories go on and on. You would think when an angel shows up, they, they're going to tell you something like that, but that's not what he says to him. The angel says, get up and eat. And I like that. And it says that Elijah looked around and there by his head was some, some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he laid down again. Man, you got to know that that's a good day. When you can take a nap, you can get up, you can eat and drink something, and then just go right back to sleep. Can I get an amen out there from anybody in our online campus? Like for real, that is a good day. And then the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat. So yet again, he's encouraging Elijah to get up from his nap and to eat something. He said, for the journey, it's just too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And he was strengthened by that food and he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. So, so the angel who came along, who nudged him and woke him up, he didn't push him to, to, or he didn't address his spiritual needs. He didn't give him a mission. He didn't do any of the other steps that we're going to talk about today. The very first thing the angel did, and you need to know that God cares about this deeply, is he addressed his physical needs first. See, God cares about every single part of your life, not just what you do for him. He cares about you. He cares about your mental health. And he knew that, that Elijah was not going to be able to take any of the next steps, anything that God had for him to get out of the cave until first Elijah made a choice to step into a needed recovery. See, he needed to recover. He was strengthened by that food, which means he was weak. He was depleted. He was wore out. 
and caring for the physical is the first thing that God did for Elijah. Elijah ate, he drank, he slept, he ate, he drank, he slept. And he was strengthened by the food. And let me tell you something, if you're depressed today, the starting point for you is to get your life in shape physically. You know, maybe for you, you just need to watch your diet and you need to learn a new way to eat. Maybe you need to change your diet entirely. In fact, my friend and Dr. Peter Kozlowski just recently put out this book called Unfunk Your Gut. And, and he talks about in here that the food that we're eating actually has an impact on our mind. It has an impact on the way that we think about ourselves. Uh, and, and it's very, very important that we understand our relationship to food. This is a fantastic book that I highly recommend you get and take a, a, a look into it to, to understand your relationship with what you're eating. So, so maybe you just need to learn a new way to eat or, or a new, have a new diet. Or maybe, maybe it's that, you know, what you need is to learn to take a nap. You need to rest. You need to turn off TikTok, turn off the, the, the social media and turn off all the games you're playing on your phone. Turn off the television. Get it out of the bedroom so that when you go to bed at night, you are not tempted to do anything else. In fact, I, for me, I keep my phone downstairs on a charger so that I'm not tempted to lay there until 3 a.m. scrolling with my finger just look, doing this. You may, we just need to commit to getting some more sleep or maybe it's that you need to get some exercise and sunlight. Find an exercise that you like to do and, and get outside, go on walks. One of the greatest gifts to me is when I was feeling down and first coming out of the cave was to do exactly that, was to go on a walk with my wife, get my dog, go by myself, but just to get outside, get some fresh air in my lungs. Or for you, maybe maybe these things are all in order, but maybe maybe what's keeping you down and that you need to address first is a physical issue. Maybe there's a, a pain or, or there's, there's some kind of hitch in your giddy up, as I like to call it. Something, something about your daily life that is causing you pain. Maybe it's a back condition or a knee condition or, 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 or something that you need to take care of. And you've been putting off going to the doctor. Or maybe you've gone to the doctor and they've recommended a surgical treatment that you've just been putting off for too long. I understand that. I needed to have back surgery. I walked through two decades of pain and it was too much for too long. And it was one of the major contributing factors to my depression. And none of the things that I was going to do, none of the mental health stuff I was going to walk through made any sense for me until I dealt with my back. I believe that God had more for me in my life, but I needed to get physically well first. And so in 2019, a decision I had been putting off for years, for years, I made a decision to have major uh, reconstructive back surgery and had a spinal fusion surgery and I'm all healed up now. And now, now I have the opportunity to work on my physical health as well. And I'm doing that, which I couldn't have done until my back was fixed because working out was just too hard for me. Going on walks was impossible. I couldn't even stand to preach towards the end of that time period. You know, when I think about that, I think about, about my condition, that, that it's kind of a perfect metaphor for our lives. You know, many of us can't do what doctors and counselors and our psychologists or our therapists or, or, or the, the people that we look to for counsel in our lives, we can't do what they're recommending for us to do because we're simply too sick in other areas of our lives. That what we need to do is step into a needed recovery. You say, well, Aaron, how do we do that? How, how do we do that? Well, for me and for you, it's as simple as just taking control of our schedules. 
You need to reclaim your time. You need to build it into your calendar and prioritize your physical health in whatever way that looks like. Because if I don't prioritize my life, someone else will. Moses prayed this prayer that's found in Psalm 90 verse 12. He said, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help, them, help us to spend them as we should. I mean, I think there is a way that we ought to be spending our lives, but too many of us are busy living out the agenda that somebody else has for our lives. We're busy living out the agenda of the Joneses trying to keep up with them. We're busy living out the agenda of the American dream. We are busy running here and there all around the square. We got no margin in our life. And so because we, we haven't created limits and we have no margin in our lives for rest, and recovery, many of us don't even Sabbath. We think that we, we're gonna to go to church on a Sunday morning, we're there for an hour, maybe two hours, and, and, and that's our Sabbath. But let me tell you something, the Sabbath was not just meant to be a few hours in the day at church, it was intended to be all day. And it was intended to be a festival, it was intended to be something that you celebrated, that you would spend the entire day resting. So what does that mean? Go to church, attend church online, or join us for an online gathering, and then go home, get something to eat, take a nap, Get up and eat again. Take another nap. Wake up and order Chipotle. Take another nap. Man, what we need to do is get our arms around our time, get our arms around our schedule so that we can step in to a needed recovery. And that's the first step that we need to take in order to get out of the cave. I got five steps for you. Let's keep going. Look what happened in our story. Back to 1 Kings 19, verse nine it says, there he went into a cave and he spent the night, right? And the word of the Lord came to him. So what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. He's having this pity party for himself and responding to the God, which by the way, we learned last week, all this rumination and self-talk had convinced himself he was the only prophet left, which is just totally wasn't the case at all. And the Lord responds to him and says, does, doesn't even address what he just said. He, he just gives him a step. So, so for us, we've got another step to take. We need to step into a needed recovery. But here, watch what God says. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Man, for all of us, what we need today is an encounter with God. Elijah was about to encounter God. God, the verse goes on and says, for the Lord's about to pass by. Like he was about to encounter the very presence of God. It says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. See, we need more moments like this, more moments where we experience the presence of God. That's why the second step is we need to step into a God encounter. You know, for, for Elijah, what's happening here is this earth, wind, and fire is, is on display. God said, I, I've got something for you to see, Elijah. Go out to the mouth of the cave. Notice Elijah didn't leave the cage. He just stood in the entryway of it. And as he stood there, God's putting on a fireworks show for him. The wind blows, there's an earthquake, and, and then there's this, this big display of fire. And what God was doing was reminding Elijah of his tremendous power. But see, it, was, it wasn't God that was in that, that moment, in any of those three moments. 
God's presence came in a still small voice. See, I think for us simple churches, we look for the dynamic. We want the big expressions. But God is more often found in the intimate. You need to understand there's no substitute to the power and presence of God in your life. I believe with all my heart, this is the greatest antidepressant that there is. It's a fresh awareness of God's presence in your life. But our issue is we want God to do the spectacular every time. We want these big grand gestures. We, we, we want him to give us all of our wants and to check off all of our lists and to heal all of our aches and our pains. And we want all the comfort. We want all the ease. We want all the blessings and the riches. And, and, and we want God to show up real big. But, but sometimes, sometimes God would rather whisper to us. And I think it's important that we learn to create environments where we can get close to God, where we quiet our souls, where we learn to make room for God, not just in our schedules, but our minds, in our hearts. David, David uh, was, was praying and talking to God about the, an enemy that he was facing. And in Psalm 46.10, God's response to him was to simply be still, quiet yourself. Quiet your heart, quiet your mind, and know that I am God. What he's talking about here is, is worship. You say, well, Aaron, I, I sing worship songs all the time. I've got my favorite one. It, it, it's 10,000 reasons. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I don't think those are even the words. I just got totally went a different direction with that. It doesn't matter. You say, I, I sing a song. This Worship is not just a song. I mean, it can be. But you need to understand worship is finding moments and ways of expressing love to God. I talk about worship like this, that if, as a lifestyle of worship, it's organizing your life so that every single part of it points at God. It's like your living room. If you walk into your living room, every piece of furniture is pointed towards one thing. What is it? It's the television. Organize your life like that. Point everything there. Living a life of worship. Uh, for the Israelites and for us, it, it required from them sacrifice and surrender. It was a sacrifice and surrender of their time. They had to make sure that they attended to the, to the festivals. That meant travel. That meant preparation for the travel. That meant preparation for the festivals and, 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 and the, the time of worshiping, traveling and going to the temple. It, it meant surrendering their talent. It meant that all that God had given them would need to be surrendered to better the community and to, to further push along what God had intended to do among them as a people. They had to surrender their treasure and give sacrificially so that, so that God's agenda could be pushed forward. They had to surrender their voice and speak up and share what God was saying to them. They had to surrender their minds and let, let God's thoughts be their thoughts. Let his ways be their ways. They surrendered and sacrificed their preferences. And one of the greatest things that, that the Israelites and we need to learn to do as they worship God was they learn to surrender control. This is one of the greatest expressions of worship because when we surrender control, we are saying three little words and it's, I trust you. And we're saying them in a Godward direction. We must choose to trust God in every area of our lives. 
for me, my work in counseling, and as I w- went through therapy at Onsite, was learning that one of my greatest hangups was that I wanted control. My friends, you need to understand, this is the reason why I didn't wanna go have surgery. Because I knew that to go through surgery meant I was gonna have to take time off. And I was convinced <laughs> that this church needed me to be present, that this church was not going to survive without me, that there was no way God was going to keep Simple Church afloat, that we were going to keep growing, that we were going to continue to be blessed, that we were going to continue to be able to do what we were in the community if I had surgery done. What a crazy thing to come to believe, but I was striving for control. To have surgery meant there would be this recovery that would completely take away control from me. And I learned as I, as I surrendered that control, I, I remember the day that I called and made that, that appointment for the surgery. I had to wait two months in order to have the surgery done. But it was an act of choosing to trust God. And it was an act of worship for me. And what happened when I chose to take a step and to worship him in this way, to trust him, that's when I learned more about him. That's when I encountered him in a powerful way. And I learned that what he wanted to do through me was bigger than anything I could have ever imagined when I chose to worship him through trust. We need to learn to encounter God through our worship in big moments and small moments. The small moments matter because all those small moments add up to very big ones. When we go back to the book of Psalm, we find uh, this, this man named Asaph. And Asaph was the equivalent of our worship pastor, Karen Esther. Uh, Asaph was depressed about the wicked world. And and when you read verses one through 15, he's complaining about how the wicked are prospering and he doesn't understand it. And how come they don't care anything about being pure? They don't care anything about being holy. And yet they're prospering. And, And it says in verse 16 through 17, he said, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me. He got depressed and it troubled him deeply. He said, until until I entered the sanctuary of God. See, he needed to encounter God and you do too. So first step out of the cave is we need to step into a needed recovery. And the second thing is we need to take a step towards a God encounter. Watch what happens next in Elijah's story, picking up at verse 13. It says, when Elijah heard it, so we're talking about the the still small voice, he pulled his cloak over his face. Now your face, by the way, represents your identity. Like if we were just to look at a picture of you and your face is covered up, we may not know who you are because your face is your identifying marker. And Elijah was covering up his face. He had forgotten who he was. He had lost part of his identity and was even potentially ashamed of it. And he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, again, he's not out of the cave yet. He's standing at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him and asked him the same question he asked him before. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied and gave the same answer he gave before. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. You can tell he's repeated this story to himself a couple of times, right? Saying the exact same words. He said this to himself over and over and over again. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Sniff, boo, boo. See, Elijah's not out of the cave yet, but at the mouth of the cave. And and because there were some more steps for him to take. And he pulled his cloak over his face to hide himself. And he gives this same complaint. And that complaint that he gave, by the way, just simply wasn't true. He had a flawed understanding of himself 
and his reality. And that's why we need to take the third step, and that's to step into a true identity. See, an incorrect identity does the same thing to us that it did to Elijah. It makes us believe a narrative that is just not true. That's why I believe it's important for you, even in this online environment, to make sure that you prioritize attending church. And then when we have in-person gatherings, to, to be there. For those of you that are able to be there, that, that your health concerns are alleviated, to put it back into your calendar, get back into a routine to do that. Because here's what's gonna happen. Each week, I'm gonna tell you who God says you are. I'm gonna tell you the truth about who you are. And you need that truth to replace all the lies of the enemy that are at effect in your, or in effect in your life. The lies that you've heard about yourself on Facebook, on social media, on Instagram, on Snapchat, the lies that the world has told you about yourself. You need to know that you can know God, find freedom, discover purpose. You can make a difference. You need to know what God says about you so that you can defeat those lies and so you can step into your true identity. One of my greatest goals as a pastor is to teach you how to read your Bible so that you can begin to learn, so that you can begin to unearth, so that it's not just on a Sunday that you get to hear who and what God says about you, who God says you are and what he says about you, so that you can know who God says you are all on your own. You need this kind of security. It is absolutely key. For me, I've got daily declarations that are biblically based that are, are printed out on a piece of paper and I've hung them on my mirror. You can get a dry erase marker and write it on your mirror if you want to. If you don't have a printer, uh, don't use anybody's uh, lipstick uh, that might be available to you, even though it might seem readily available to you and relatively unused. Um, that is not a good thing to do. I did that once. Uh, it's hard to clean off and you get in lots of trouble with the owner of the lipstick. That was free for you, not even in my notes. <laughs> but it's hanging on my mirror. And let me tell you something, as I stand in my mirror and I declare those things about me, what happens is I, my shoulders drop back, my head goes up, my chest starts puffing out. And I start to believe and declare those things over me. Even in my lowest days, I remind myself exactly who God said I am and everything changes for me. Eleanor Roosevelt said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. My friends, you need to understand that God made you and he's got a lot to say about who you are. It's time to stop believing what Facebook and Instagram and the world has to say about you. It's time to stop believing what, what past lovers have had to say about you. It's time to stop believing what maybe an authority person in your life has had to say about you. It's time to embrace what God has to say about you. So we need to step into a needed recovery. We need to step towards a God encounter and into a true identity. Now watch this, how God responds, because you'll notice that he doesn't even address Elijah's concerns and his complaints about earth. In verse 15, it says, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came, which is really important that you understand. That's the pride. We got to go back. He said, go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, he says, go anoint Hazel. And he says, anoint Jehu, anoint Elisha, anoint uh, Nimshi king over Israel, anoint uh, uh, um all these guys, you read the verse, there's all these names in here, right? And he's like, Jehu will put to death anybody who will escape the sword of Hazel, and Elijah will put to death anyone who's He says, yet, watch this, get to this part in the verse, I reserve 7,000 in Israel. See, what Elisha believed about himself, that he was the only one left, just simply wasn't true. God said, I got a 1,000 people in Israel whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. See, what happened with Elisha, Elijah is that he walked away from and lost his purpose. And here's the fourth step. 
We need to step into a new assignment. Of all five of these that I'm gonna give you today, if I could only give you one, if somebody were to sit me down and say, Aaron, what's the best thing I can do right now? This one is it. Stepping into a new assignment is the thing that you need to do most because the power of a project will drive people forward. The power of a dream or a vision that God will give you for your life is a powerful thing that will drive you forward out of the cave of depression. That's why the word says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, the people perish. Man, if you're experiencing a, a, a part of your life that is perishing right now, if you're in this cave of depression and anxiety and worry, the greatest thing you can do is assign purpose to it. Find a project, find a dream and a vision you can attach your life to. Last week I talked about what a, a Jewish psychiatrist, Viktor Frankl discovered with his logo therapy. He said this, that people have enough to live by, but nothing to live for. They have the means, but no meaning. You know, for me, I'll be honest with you, this season right here where we've been online and not been able to, to gather in person, you know, either, either because of the pandemic and now because of an absence of, a, of a, a regular building and meeting space, this season just preaching to a camera and not seeing you all on a regular basis has been tough. And I've struggled with it. I've tried to, tried to find meaning in it. And even, I even asked God, like, is this what you want me to keep on doing? Is there a building in our future? Is there a way for us to continue to make a difference? What am I doing here? So if I'm being honest, I've lost a little bit of meaning. And this past week, I was rummaging through one of my drawers and, and I found some old letters and things that my wife and kids had kept or written to me over the years, birthday cards and Father's Day notes. I'm very sentimental. I like to keep that stuff. But tucked in among them was a card that you all had written to me. That, that you all had taken an opportunity to share your stories and, and say, Aaron, because of you and because of Simple Church, my life, I, I met Jesus and everything changed. And there was testimony after testimony after testimony in this card. And as, as I read it, I wept and I heard the Lord. And he said, and this is why you're doing what you're doing. And then two weeks ago, I got to go to Indianapolis and preach this exact same message and it was, it was in the house of a church planner. He, he, he was in a church and a couple years ago, I'd, we had helped them get started and helped them get going. I, I'd coached them and I've encouraged them and prayed with them and walked with them. And I got to go there and, and see the fruit of that investment. And God spoke to me again as I stood on the front row of that church ready to preach. And he said, and this is why you're doing what you're doing. And then this past week, I had an opportunity to preach in our old warehouse space for Pastor Mark Pelfrey in Collision Church. And before I got on stage, Pastor Mark said, if you like this place that we're in right now, we owe a lot of thanks to Aaron and to Simple Church because they created this space. They brought us in. They approached us. They helped us get into this place, negotiate the deal. And, and he said, we're here because of his investment in us. And the Lord spoke to me again there and said, this is why you're here. That what I'm doing, what we are doing as a church matters, Simple Church. Having meaning to your life makes all the difference in the world. When you notice in Elijah's story that, that God didn't ever address his complaints. All he did was remind Elijah about his calling. He told him, go back the way you came. Go back to Beersheba. Go back to the place where you initially made an oath, where you initially gave your life to me. Go back to that place where your, where your passion was fanned into flame. And then God gave him people to anoint and influence. <laughs> See, a focused heart on a clear assignment helps the pain. You know, it was Paul, the apostle, the guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament, 
who said, who said the following, by the way, he was shipwrecked. He was in prison. He was beaten multiple times in the same way that Jesus was beaten before he went to the cross. He was snake bitten and he was stoned. And you're like stoned. Well, at least he had some relief. No, 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 no. That's not what, not that kind. Like they threw rocks at him, left him for dead. It was the apostle Paul who in second Corinthians four said this, therefore we don't lose heart. How, how is that possible? How can you walk through all of that Paul and not lose heart? He said, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He had meaning that outweighed all the pain. He said, so we fix our eyes on what's not seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, the problem with your problem is you don't have anything bigger than your problem. I'll say that again. The problem with your problem is you don't have anything bigger in your life than your problem. You don't have any meaning that is pushing you through. Hebrews 12, we're talking about Jesus. He said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. This is the way we ought to be. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, that was his meaning, by the way. That was his purpose. The joy set before him, by the way, was us. It was our salvation. It was our freedom. It was us having full and fulfilled lives. The joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. I like that it says that. It's like Jesus stepped up to the plate, got nails in his hands and his feet. And he said, is that all you got? Because see, I got something bigger on the inside of me. I've got something bigger for me on the other side than just this. There is a joy set before me. There is a purpose. So you can't keep a person with meaning down. And they couldn't keep Jesus down either. Three days later, that boy was up, Right? Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than anybody shouting, I'm guaranteeing. Y'all need to get with it. I'm hyped today. The quickest way to defeat depression is to find meaning in your life. You say, how? The easiest way to do it is to start looking at the needs of other people. So how do I do that? Start looking at their lives. Find a need and find a simple way to meet it. Get a ministry where you are giving out and God is giving to you. Amen, everybody. So we need to step into a needed recovery. We need to step towards a God encounter. We need to step into our true identity and we need to step into a new assignment. And here's the last one. And I'm, I'm closing with this. We'll go back to Elijah's story. Verse 19 of chapter 19 says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. And he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. And here's what Elijah did. He went up to him and he threw his cloak around him. And I believe this is what Elijah was saying is I'll never live life alone again. Because remember, that's one of the things that contributed to him winding up in the cage was living a life of loneliness. He made a friend. He did the fifth thing, and that was to, that we all need to do is to step into a relational strength. The Bible tells us that Elijah never walked alone again, and we never hear of him being depressed again. You know, we talk about this so much at Simple Church, that we are a church of small groups, that, that Sunday's great, but what we love and celebrate more than anything is our small groups that gather. Why? Because we get to be in a space with somebody where we get to take off the mask, where we get to be vulnerable, where we get to share our pains and our hurts. This is where we learn to be like Jesus the most is when we're doing life together. This is where we get to say, I'm hurting here. And they go, you know what? Me too. You find out you're not alone. We don't live isolated. A couple weeks ago in our series on Solomon, we talked about the necessity of the right relationships. You need to be in a group. They launched just this past week. 
You can still get in them. The summer series is just, just a short one. I've got one where I'm hanging out with my dogs at a dog park on Saturday. Come on, let's fellowship together. Let's encourage one another. You know, for me and my personal journey through depression, I'm going to tell you something. If I didn't have my wife, if I didn't have my kids, if I didn't have my parents and my aunt and my uncle, if I didn't have uh, Kyle and Derek, Tim, Jason, if I didn't have my team, if I didn't have my pastor Conan, if I didn't have Gary, if I didn't have the network of churches and pastors on all the relationships I've made through walking out this recovery, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here today. That's why Kevin Eikenberry encourages us to look carefully at the closest associations in your life, for that is the direction you're headed. You don't need to walk this life alone. You need to form some relationships, step into that relational strength. Listen, Simple Church, I'm praying for all of us. It's time that we begin to take steps so that we can step out of this cave of depression, step into a needed recovery, step towards a God encounter and into a true identity, finding meaning in a new assignment and commit to finding relational strength. Amen, everybody? Let's pray. Father, today, I, I, I'm praying for each and every single person that is watching this. Lord, I know that this message is gonna be shared across social media platforms. It's gonna be shared in living rooms. It's gonna be shared in conversations. And Lord, I pray in each one of those places and spaces, you would fill it. You would fill it with your spirit and your presence, Lord, and your power. I pray that people would find freedom as they engage this content, as they begin to apply it to their lives, Lord, as they begin to take steps towards that needed physical recovery, God. Lord, I pray that you would make it plain, give them wisdom and insight into themselves so that they understand that step that they need to take and the importance of it and surround them with people that are willing to help them take that step and counsel them in that step. Lord, help us to arrange our lives so we live lives of worship where everything is pointed towards you as we express our love and adoration for you and, and encounter your presence on a daily and regular basis. Lord, help us to step into our true identity, Lord. Make it clear in your word to us as we read it, as we engage with it, who we are in light of who we've been told we are. Lord, help us to find meaning in a new assignment and commit to finding relational strength, Lord. Commit to getting in a group. Commit to surrounding ourselves with fellow believers who will encourage us, pray for us, and help us become more like you. Father, as we commit to these steps, I pray that we will walk out of this cave of depression with clarity and with freedom that you've promised us. Now it's in this moment I'm gonna to continue to pray and I just wanna to, want to share with those of you that, that maybe you don't have a relationship with God. This is one of the most important things and this is one of the steps here, is encountering God. And today you've felt something. As you've listened to this message, you've felt something. There's a stirring on the inside of your heart. Maybe you would even identify it as you, you feel like there's somebody knocking at the door of your heart. The Bible says that's the Holy Spirit that is doing that work, that, it, that it's Christ knocking on the door of your heart. It's an invitation to know God. That's what it is. And today, if you're ready to respond to that invitation, to have a relationship with God, so you have his power, you have his authority, you can understand your identity, if you're ready to do that, I'm ready to pray a prayer with you. Repeat these words after me, knowing that the words aren't so important. It's just your heart that believes. So pray these, pray these words. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit, showing me how to live for you and how to tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
then if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says all of heaven's having a party over your decision today. We celebrate that with you as well. In fact, I'm gonna ask you to take one more step today before we end our time, and that is to fill out a digital connect card so that we can help you understand your next spiritual steps. We wanna make sure you've got a Bible so that you can be reading God's word. We'll even guide you through it, where you can start, because you don't wanna start at the beginning. There's a great place to start. You wanna learn all about Jesus as best you can in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We also wanna help you make sure you get connected with our family here, because you're part of that now. So, so make the second best decision you can make right now, and that's to fill out that Connect card so that we know uh, that you've made that decision today. Amen, everybody? All right, well, as we are wrapping up today, I also wanna give you an opportunity to give. Uh, if you're here as a guest, you're under no obligation to give. We're just glad that you're here with us. For those of you that, that you've made a commitment to live sacrificially and give of your tithe, or maybe the Lord's even speaking to you about giving to the building fund uh, or, or to, to give to missions work, man, there's opportunities to do that digitally. Uh, you can mail in your gift as well. All that information is here on the screen. You can pause this video if you need those details, but we thank you so much for your faithfulness. Uh, we've got some huge stuff on the horizon uh, this week. We got some huge news about a building. Man, my request for you is that you would be uh, praying. We've got an offer on the table that has been accepted and that we are now pursuing financing. So be praying for us as we pursue uh, proper financing. May we find favor and may we find uh, the right uh, the right bank to work with uh, and, and the, uh, the, the right interest rate, my goodness, and, and, and the right funding, man. I believe that God has funds we don't know anything about. And, and maybe somebody will come along and just pay for the building for us. We have no idea, but, but just be praying for the, the financing to come through and uh, so that we can have a home very, very soon. Amen, everybody. All right, God bless you guys so much. Remember, we are gathering together next Sunday for Father's Day at the Marcus Theaters. I can't wait to see you there. Love you guys.